You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. Yes, yes, yes. Do your own damn research. And for anyone that listened to yesterday's episode, I actually made up like a new like metrics, like graph for uh, DYODR for do your own damn research. So <laughs> getting a little creative there. Um, and you know, for those that were tuning in, uh, we, we record our interviews on uh, Twitter spaces and we were having some fun talking a little bit about the Super Bowl uh, before uh, we got started here. And I even got to play, I want to play a little bit clip of it again. This is a, an NFT song. So it's called Ape in Productions, Ape Shit by the Zoo. So it's from Timberland, uh, the beat club. And the cool part is it, because I own the NFT, I have the rights to play it in uh, you know places where normally the copyright uh, police would be all over me, which I think is just a cool use case uh, for NFTs. And you know, I think you know, with so much you know kind of going on in the space around you know not only NFTs but you know conversations around uh, rug pulls and education. And you know, I was in a, a great Twitter space a little bit earlier today uh, with a, a brand that's doing a lot of you know uh, AI and and data mapping of what true NFT influence looks like. And uh, there was a really just great conversation happening in there around all of those type of things. And then, you know, around that same time, uh, the Women's Tribe NFT dropped, which I know we're going to probably talk a little bit about that here in a minute with Brooke. Uh, and then also uh, Steve Aoki's uh, NFTs dropped, uh, which was pretty cool because uh, Mac, who is a, a friend of the show, she's a part of that team over there with Steve Aoki. And, uh, and so I jumped in and jumped in on that as well. So it's been a a crazy fun, I would almost say normal NFT day because who knows what goes on in this NFT world, but uh, excited to have a guest with us. Uh, Brooke is a good friend. Uh, she is a fellow uh, geek like myself. We've spent many of hours geeking out over on on Clubhouse, talking everything from, you know, well, this was before Web3. We would talk everything from, you know, cloud computing to, you know, the joys of people just really using social media, digital technology, our devices. Uh, and now we get to geek out on a whole bunch of other things. And, you know, Brooke is, uh, not, she's, you know, she's a multi-hyphenate like myself, a technologist, NFT project, tech advisor, blockchain developer, crypto TikTok creator. Yeah, 300,000 plus followers on the TikToks. Uh, and she's not just dancing on there. She does some dancing, I think. No, um, she's a... <laughs> A speaker, an educator, and I'm going to add a new one. She's a um, impulse ta tattoo um, getter, <laughs> which we're going to get into this uh, this tattoo. There's so many things to talk about. So many things to talk about. So, Brooke, uh, I'll let you kind of do do a little quick introduce uh, introduction of yourself, and then we're going to get into all this fun stuff. Oh my God, what else is there? Um, I think my biggest accomplishment is being a single mom um, of like the most emotionally intelligent. Uh, teenager on the planet. So that's what I would like to lead with because um, we get to have all these amazing conversations, he and I, about 
you know, even today in the car, as I was teaching him to drive, uh, still doesn't have his license. Um, what, you know, why are NFTs even valuable? And I surprised myself in even saying um, something really cool that we'll, we'll go over later. But that is my true, like, my biggest accomplishment. Um, everything else is just sort of technology has, has run my life for so long. So, you know, I've been around in the tech world since the early 90s, um, worked on the Y2K bug and kind of just went from there. And then a couple of years ago, um, found a very large audience on TikTok as a 45-year-old. <laughs> like, what is my life? Um, and Wait a second. Really- it's not just Gen Z on TikTok? Wait a second. <laughs> we're, we're debunking myths here from the starting the, the, the episode. Um, it's all crazy. It, it is. And I saw, but I first want to, I mean, you, you teed me up in all, all kinds of ways, but what was this cool thing that you, the revelation you had with discussing NFTs uh, with your kid? He, he really has this, you know, back and forth with me, like, well, I don't understand why it's so valuable. Like, cause I was talking about the women tribe and I'm like, oh my God, I just, you know, got three on the presale. It's just so exciting. I'm so happy for this group of women that I've, you know, come to know. And he, you know, he's just like, I don't get it. I, you guys are all so weird. I'm like, what about that $85 hoodie that we bought you two weeks ago? Why did you want that? Why didn't, why did you want that instead of the, the Walmart one that was $10? And I don't even, honestly don't even remember the brand cause I don't care cause I don't care about, you know, hoodies and clothes really as much as I do about technology and NFTs. So he said, well, yeah, then people know that, that I like this type of brand. I like this type of thing. And I said, right. It's, it's kind of like a community. You guys are all kind of hanging around and, you know, you know that you like the same things. I said, this is exactly the same thing. We're just collecting, uh, you know, fancy hoodies that we all kind of like together. And it's so simple to me. It's just so simple. And his eyes lit up like, okay, now I get it. Like, that's all it is, is, is all of us kind of, you know, around each other, whether we understand the tech or not, or we understand the art behind it or not, where it's a community, like it's, we're all just together in this and there's nothing better. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, and is and it's that it's that front door to community, right? That mm-hmm. exists here in this digital space. And I, you know, I think, you know, I think that you know, the more you know, I find that too. That the more that we have to, it's not really defending, but it's more explaining it in in different ways. The more I think it even helps us, you know, as educators, as as those that believe in this space you know, kind of, you know, be able to make an impact that we want and hopefully, you know, share the information in ways that, you know, you know, we can, you'll be consumed in different ways. And, you know, we mentioned TikTok and you, you put out your age. I'm just gonna say we're both around the same age. And, you know, I I was going to leave with TikTok because you do have over 300,000 followers on TikTok. Uh, Great following. You, you do a a variety of, I'd say (laughs) a variety of technology topics in a very TikTok you know, educational way. And for anyone that's yeah. listening and you're not even, this isn't even an NFT conversation. If you want to see where the future of education looks like, go check out uh, Brooks. I'll put it, make sure that the link to her TikTok is in our account because it's, you know, snackable bite size, uh, you know, <laughs> education, but it's also some a little dose of reality, some humor, some self-deprecation that, uh, <laughs> that goes on there. But I can't get into TikTok before I get into this tattoo. And we okay. we both are big tattoos fans, and yes. you rock yours loud and proud, and I and I always love that about you. But there was a is, there's is there a new tattoo, and how did this new tattoo come to life? And it connects to <laughs> NFTs for those that are wondering. 
It does. It does. This is good. We're just like making all the connections and uh, and crossing the T's. It's almost like like we spent way too many hours together on Clubhouse stages (laughs) for the last year. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. You were my very first, by the way, like I was thinking about this. You're one of the very first people that I ever even spoke to outside of Clubhouse, like about Clubhouse. It, I had joined and then like a month later I was in the, the rooms with LGO yep. and you came in there and it was like, I messaged you. I remember vividly being like, what, what do I do? I go on stage. <laughs> you were like, what are you fucking talking about? Like, just talk. It was funny. I, I remember you messaged me like, how do I get off of the stage? Like I'm on the stage. How do, how do I get off? Help. <laughs> like what is wrong with you? You were probably like this girl. Oh my God. Actually, probably that's when you fell in love with me. Um, so, <laughs> so what were we talking about? Yeah. TikTok. So, no, we're talking about the tattoo. Okay, we're going to get the TikTok. Right. We're going to get, let's do tattoo. So, so how did this tattoo happen? Getting really hot in the laundry room. <laughs> <laughs> so, Okay. I love to travel. You know this. I am obsessed with traveling. I love to be in person whenever I can. So when I was asked to go to the LA Art Show um, to be kind of a part of that, do some content, I really love interviewing people. And I was gifted a cameraman. Like I'm uh, kind of in the works to do my own show. It's really cool. So I went down there and the NFT you know, booth was there, um, Be Creative and um, Fabric Media did all the, the NFT booth. It was so much energy. It was so, so cool. And the second day, um, Subet and Gabe Weiss and Cass Vegas, and I, the list goes on, <clears throat> that uh, they were all there. And, you know, I'm a huge Subet fan. I, he, his his uh, art is the banner of my Twitter profile. I'm just, I'm obsessed with the colors. I love him as a person. And like, I, you know, been in his clubhouse rooms and I just, I love everything. When he talks about art is the utility and love is the roadmap, like, come on. It's just, it's so simple and beautiful. And and what comes through him is this incredible energy and this language that, you know, only he is, is told. And it's just incredibly beautiful. So, um, he was one of the first ones that I took aside and, and uh, interviewed, and it was hysterical. He's hilarious. We were—I I don't even remember like how it started, but we just were laughing so hard that we were crying. And I'm like, okay, this guy is my soulmate, uh, and if you know, as a friend. And I have this section of my right arm that needs a tattoo. There was a spot there, <clears throat> and I always knew that like something would just come about. All of my tattoos have very specific meaning. Um, it's not just a sleeve that, you know, there's multiple obviously. And so he had a marker and he's like, you know, this happened before that God cloud, one of our other NFT friends here on Twitter had, they were somewhere and he, uh, Sabet drew on him, the language, the love language and, and God cloud went and tattooed it. So I was like, all right, let, let's see it. What, what do you got? And so he, and if you go to my profile, you can actually watch the video um, of of him doing that. And then on my hand is his classic, uh, you know, woman's face with the eyelashes. And <laughs> it's so silly. But if any of you have seen me at all, like in video or pictures, I have eyelashes. I have eyelash extensions. They're like part of my whole thing. Like I'm obsessed with them. Um, they make me feel good. And so I really identify with his art because of these like wild eyelashes. Um, so he drew with the marker. I 
was like, all right, let me find a tattoo artist. Now, you and I both know that tattoo artists don't normally have like, it, well, any that are worth their salt don't really have appointments the next day. You know, they, some do, but most of them are, are booked out really far. So um, one of the friends that was there um, was like, he, I've got somebody um, and it, her name is Zihovac. And she's like, I've got somebody and he'll do it. And he was so excited to do this that he moved some things around, got me in there. And so again, the videos on the, the, the pinned tweet on my profile and I went in and, and it was cool because like the marker had smudged a little bit. So I was like, we printed out all of the, um, you know, all of his art from his website, from the, from OpenSea and the tattoo artist had it like sitting out and it turned out so, so good. So, and it's completely original. Like what he drew on my hand, the love language that goes down my forearm, um, was really just meant for me. We both kind of studied it. He saw that there's my name in it. It's just so cool. So I mean, um, that's, right on my hand. Yeah. That's like a pretty amazing. Eye. I mean, like, I just love, cool. I mean, A, I love that you just went for it. B, I love the idea of like, you know, when we think about visualizing like online to offline, right? You know, social audio. I mean, you know, I remember being, you know, in clubhouse rooms with Sabet. Uh, and did, had no idea what his talent was. Like we would just like literally just, you know, in clubhouse rooms talking about, you know, Lord knows what on, you know, some topic around something random. Right. And then, and when I saw that, you know, that connection that you made and then turning it into, you know, uh, a tattoo, like to me, like there's such a beautiful aspect of like, I mean, this is in a way it's reimagining the way we even consume or think about art. But in for, a way for you, it, you know, it went from, you know, a connection with an artist to a love for art to connecting in person to a tattoo that will be there forever. I mean, there's, I mean, that's a pretty cool, like, uh, full circle of what, you know, what is possible in this space. And I didn't quite think, I mean, now that you say that, and, and he actually said that too, I think he, quote, you know, retweeted it or whatever, and said the same thing that he was so moved by it. But for me, I just didn't really see all of that because I just kind of live in the moment and um, things like this, Just I just do things like this. And um, now when I look back at it, it's kind of like, I like how I live my life. And and it just goes to show that because, you know, a long time ago, I, I felt so stifled. I This is getting into like the, you know, bigger picture of everything because I always felt so different and now that I like, I live my best life and I am who I am. I have a motherboard tattooed to my chest. Like, and I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Right. Like this is how I live my life. This is who I am. And once you just let go, people talk about authenticity and and being real. And it's like your whole world opens up when you just let yourself be who you are. And it's like, that's just another piece of it is sitting there going, this is so cool. I'm not an artist. I'm zeros and ones. I see the matrix, you know, when I'm outside with the trees and seeing Fibonacci sequences. So I, I could never put pen to paper like he can. So I'm going to take that art and put it on me so that I can experience it every single day on me. original. So I was going to say, you know, if we talk about life goals, right? Like, I think life goals for every one of us should be our ability to be confidently say, like, I love the way I live my life. <laughs> I mean, it gave, it gave me goosebumps, right? I, and, I, and I think, you know, we had a couple of people in the Discord today talking, and they're like, Brian, sometimes 
I, I'm not even sure if you're educating me in your podcast. Sometimes you're like motivating me to take an action. Other times yeah. you're like inspiring like thoughts. And I will say, you know, uh, the, the last couple, especially women that we've had on the podcast to interview, they're the, the women's conviction for who they are, the impact they're making on the world and their belief in themselves it's come through in every one of these interviews and no, I'm not surprised one bit Brooke that it comes through with, with your share and you know, that piece of this. And I think, you know, it's so important when we look at like giving everyone a microphone and allowing us to show up and even how NFTs allow us to explore, you know, our creativity in the things that we just want to represent and the values that we have. I mean, what you just shared there, I think is, you know, is, it's not that I think I know that that is like impactful. That is, that is beautiful. And, and I will say like, when you think about that, you know, as, as a mom, right. As a single mom, as, as a, as a TikToker, which I always laugh when, <laughs> when you try to explain that on clubhouse stages and you're like, I have to say I'm like a TikToker, TikToker influence. But, um, but I, I, you know, I think that's also like living in the moment, right? Like right now yeah. it's very easy for anyone to spread that FUD, right? That fear, that uncertainty and the doubt around the future, because it's so much easier for us to hate what we don't understand, to break down what we're not willing to learn or spend time reimagining. But when you kind of shared what you just shared, right? Like living in that moment, reacting based on like, Hey, what am I feeling? And, and leaning into that. I mean, that's where, I mean, it sounds you know, corny, but that's where the magic happens. And I'm curious as a segue, how did the mm. magis- magic of TikTok happen for you? <laughs> like, what was the like, aha, I can do this on TikTok? Because I've created a crap load of TikTok that no one's ever watched. I've enjoyed the hell out of creating them. I love TikTok for consuming it. It's my like weird escape. Like when I need to escape from NFT reality, I, I go over to uh, TikTok. But how did you discover TikTok as a medium for you kind of st- sharing your message? Okay. So we both know we could talk for like hours and hours. So I always have to kind of, um, you know, get this into a bite-sized piece um, because there's a lot to this, right? Um, I have kind of, I've always been very gregarious. I I have a very expressive face. Um, Here in Boise, Idaho, actually in my 20s growing growing up in Chicago, and I've always just had that personality. It's not lost on me. Um, and that's something, like I said, I, I like that about myself. I, I can make people laugh. Um, it's not like a stand-up comedy type of thing. It's really like a, you know, you and I, like we make each other laugh. And th- it's, it's like I feed off of people, which is interesting because TikTok is a one-way, you know, video. Um, however, <clears throat> I think what happened was, you know, I was, I was always like wanting to tell my story because um, we have a lot in common, right? The mental health stuff. Um, and for a long time, I was, I was always looking for that outlet. How do I talk about mental health? How do I educate about technology? Um, and, you know, I did things locally. I kind of had a local presence here in Boise, Idaho. And it was always like the women in tech thing. And so I've been on TV. So it wasn't like new for me to be on video or to, you know, use my voice. Um, not lost on me that I have a, a radio voice. So I, I started a podcast um, in like 2018. I think you can still go to it. It's called Disrupting Stigma. And it was hugely successful. But as you know, it was a lot of work. And it was really, I wasn't interviewing anybody. It was just me talking. And it was exhausting. And it was draining and all of that. So I, I kind of stopped doing that. And then 
early 2020, you know, when we were all stuck in our houses uh, and my, you know, my son at the time was going back and forth. So I, I'd never felt that kind of loneliness uh, ever. Um, and, you know, I felt like the walls were closing in and I found TikTok and, oh my gosh, I'm going to cry. Um, it like saved my, my sanity at that time. I couldn't leave the house. Um, you know, I know that we all felt that way. Um, but for me with my, you know, PTSD and, you know, all of the things that I sort of deal with and survive, um, it was horrible and everybody's fighting on social media and everything was like just angry. And I found TikTok and I laughed my ass off. It was like, oh my God, I found what I was looking for. Everything's funny. We're all making fun of the fact that we were, you know, drinking all day and whatever it was that was hilarious at the early, you know, stages of 2020. And I started doing videos about how ridiculous it is to be Gen X on TikTok. And so all of these Gen X women just sort of took to it. And, you know, I can deliver a line. I can, I was doing these like, um, like punchlines, uh, kind of almost like tweets. Right. And I would just kind of do these, these one liners and people would start using those as like that they would lip sync to those. And it just, it just sort of spiraled and I, it was so much fun and I, I could just sit there and then I would like do live streams on TikTok and read bedtime stories to people and just kind of be there for, for people and talk about mental health. And all of a sudden I realized this is such a huge audience. Like you can reach millions of people with your story, like at, at one time it, it was mind blowing. And then it just kept going from there. And I realized I can talk about anything. Um, and, and none of it is dances or trends. There's times where I'm literally just like in my car, you know, with no makeup, no nothing, just talking to the, the camera. Um, and, you know, I, I started talking to people about blockchain like a year and a half ago and it was like market research. I could see in the comments that they were all very confused. <laughs> they thought I was saying Bitcoin. <laughs> so it's just gone from there. But yeah, most of it is me ogling shirtless lumberjacks and uh, laugh reacts. Like people love my laugh. So it's not just tech stuff, but you got to reel them in, right? Like that's what I found is that you have to reel them in and then you can like hit them with the tech stuff. But you do have to make it in such a way that like it's what's a what is it what's in it for them? What, what are we doing for them? Um, you know, all of that educational just goes to the fact that that's what I do in my my real life is as a as an advisor and a tech consultant. And, you know, and I and first, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, the vulnerability and, you know, the honesty there. And I, and I will say, I think, you know, the the other the magic sauce of that. And I think for everyone that's listening you know, they can feel your, you know, your heart in your shares, right? And it comes across on TikTok. It comes across here on the podcast. It comes across in social audio. And I will say, you know, Clubhouse was that for me, you know, TikTok was, you know, the entertaining uh, that through the the global pandemic and, and discovering TikTok, you know, in that November, you know, as I'm trying to figure out what is a, you know, a life without travel even look like, you know, for me, I, I, I remember, you know, and I've said this before, you know, like for me, like I joined in November, but you know, December 9th was like my aha moment on, on Clubhouse. And it was a room, you know, the title of the Clubhouse room was Jack of all trades, masters of none, welcome. And I was like, oh, this is my people. Like this is a room that was like made for me. But I remember that next morning, you know, December 10th, waking up and feeling for the first time in a long time, like, oh my goodness, like 
I I have like a purpose and complete, right? Because it's that, you know, you yes. know, we are givers, right? The more we give and educate and and can help, the more we also kind of embody that. And you know, I, I'm so glad you shared that story and I'm so glad you shared kind of like your, you know, the evolution because it is about sharing your whole self, right? And I think mm-hmm. in this NFT space, and I will say I, I've been very vocal, especially lately, on like I have a screenshot of I don't even know a better way to say it than I'm just gonna say douchey TikTok creators <laughs> that are talking <laughs> NFTs. I don't I, I wish I had a more like articulate way of of you know conveying that. But like the amount like I was so mad. So like, you know, TikTok's algorithm is the greatest algorithm in the history of all algorithms. Yeah. So I have to avoid NFT content on my main account. So on a second account that I have, I will consume, you know, market research, also entertainment. I'm also always looking looking to learn. And I, I kind of accidentally about a week ago was on my main account and started down like the rabbit hole of NFTs. And then TikTok yeah. was like, oh, maybe like you want less girls in bikinis and and less you know uh, i was gonna say don't lie you're uh, watching the girls twerking uh, hey okay hey i'm there's there's no shame here uh and all of a sudden like my feed started to get into this bro culture of it and and i don't even mind the bro aspect of the content but it was very much the like like you know don't you know if you want to make money if you missed board ape yacht club this is the next million dollar run and i started screenshotting it because a, you know, doing this daily podcast, I pretty damn dialed in and I would, you know, put the argument out there that I'm probably doing more research on upcoming NFTs than anyone is over the last, you know, 90 plus days spending all this time. And I would see these projects that I red flag from the jump being promoted on these TikTok accounts. And I'm like, what are they going to do when it's a rug pull and it's a failure? And of course they did what I assumed them they would do. They would ignore it many of them deleted that TikTok that existed where they were promoting squiggles or they were promoting, yep. you know, some of these projects. And I mean, like my, my, it makes my skin crawl because there are so many people that will, will take the, you know, the influential creator. And some of these creators are smart and knowledgeable and great at their, what they're doing. So like, let, let me like not take that away from them. That's partially why they have a following, but right. their, their lack of like, you know, you know, Spider-Man, you know, we need uncle Ben to go talk to all of TikTok creators and say that like <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility because <laughs> I mean, it is ridiculous. So, and you cut yeah, through that yeah. noise very well, not only as a, a woman, but also as someone that is very, you know, direct, you know, you're not only like sitting in the car, but you're also, you will take on a topic and you'll kind of allow like the comments to kind of dictate like additional things. Right. And like, I, I laugh, like, I wonder if someone's done the data on how many times the, like the word MetaMask has been used <laughs> like on TikTok. I feel like like you just like you sneeze NFTs and it's 22 right. comments about MetaMask, right? Like it's it's pretty wild. But I'm curious for those that aren't on TikTok, many of our you know audience that maybe aren't on TikTok didn't even realize there was a lot of NFT content on there. What are some of like the the themes like once people get over the like you know, what is an NFT? What are some of the themes or things that you seem see that resonate there? Because I believe right now there are for for most, the only places people are looking for NFT content are TikTok or, or Twitter and Discord. And most on Instagram right now is, you know, thankfully the NFT account got taken away. I won't go down that rabbit hole, but um you know Instagram has an interesting vibe. Facebook is Facebook, but like I love TikTok's educational format, but 
I don't believe a lot of people have even recognized that as a medium to be educated on NFTs. So give us a little context on like, what is the vibe energy? What are some of the questions that you get there over there on, you know, NFT TikTok? Oh my God, there's so many things. Um, so there's (laughs) multifaceted answer here. First of all, I, I feel sometimes like I want to distance myself a little bit from the TikTok thing because sometimes it's it, it's just cringy to me that I'm a 40, almost 46 year old, you know, single mom that is well known on TikTok. I think we could get into like why you need to get over that because I, will, I, yeah. I we just need to like you're a badass on TikTok and you found that medium and. You're yes, reaching a broad right. audience, but you're right. Cause I've, I've always right. heard you caveat that. Right. And it, and I understand yeah. it because it's kind of like the word influencer, right? Like in yes. some circles you can say it in the other circles. You're like, if I say it, they're going to think I'm like Kim Kardashian's like, yes. you know, brand place. So I get you on that, but I, <laughs> I love what you're doing over there. And I, and I, and I understand that like that owning it on both sides. I appreciate you. Um, and I know that you know, I'm not, I, I think I tweeted the other day cause I now have 3000 followers on Twitter and it was like, such a glorious thing yesterday to, to hit, you know, I think I started with like 700 and three weeks later, now I have 3000. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so great. You know, but how dumb is it to say, um, you know, followers don't matter when I have 300,000 on TikTok. And so I, I always have to very delicately say these things because for me personally, when you get to know me personally as Brooke, um, as the, you know, the single mom business owner of 13 years living in Boise, Idaho with, you know, very simple desires. And, you know, I, it doesn't matter, like in the, in the grand scheme of things in the, in the ether of space, like what is having a following on TikTok really about? And I want to be really clear with people that like, you know, I run a business and it is a tool. So when I, when I say I kind of like distance myself a little bit because of that culture, because of the, you know, how, how advertising, <laughs> that's a word, right? <laughs> the uh, salesy kind of way. We make up words here all the time. That is fully <laughs> welcomed. It. You're good. <laughs> it's good. The advertising way that TikTok kind of um, takes those, those directions. And then of course, you know, you really can't give financial advice or, you know, anything to that matter. So, I really kind of just back away from doing anything that would seem promotional. That being said, there it's an art form to be able to educate, you know, give, 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 and then ask. And what I've found is that it's such a great platform for connecting with people who then want to, to have more, right? They want to learn more from me so I could either do a class or I can do, you know, bring people into my um, tech consulting and so it's been a really, really great tool. The The part about like NFT TikTok, first of all, when you are a creator on a platform like that, I don't consume as much as I create. So I don't necessarily watch what everybody else is doing. This is why, you know, over on Clubhouse when people would all, you know, they'd want me to come in these TikTok rooms and tell, you know, tell me how to grow on TikTok. And I'm like, I don't know, like I sit in my car and, you know, talk to the camera. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how, and then all these, you know, growth hackers, um, you know, I know exactly how I could get to millions of followers. I could just do ogling shirtless lumberjacks because that's what got me so much attention. Is that, is that what I wanted my legacy to be? No, I love making people laugh. Um, and I love looking at 
shirtless lumberjacks. But that's not what I wanted to be doing with that tool. That was just, you know, fun. It wasn't doing anything for my business. So the NFT, like the tech world last year with the Robin Hood stuff, uh, you know, had a couple of videos sort of pop off when I was explaining about, you know, what all that meant, you know, the shorting of stocks and, you know, you kind of have to like poke fun at it. But the trick is, because there is a trick, you have to make sure that everything you're doing is in the form of education. So the only two videos, because there's only two, um, where I actually talk about a project, um, one of which is Emily Lazar's. She's one of my very close friends. And I used it to be like educational, um, to say like, look at what this is and let's go through the roadmap and this is how you would mint it and had nothing in there. You know, she's a friend. So I loved what she did. And so I did a video about it, but it's very difficult to, you know, for, for all these people to say like, this is how you, you know, make money and this is how you do this. And, um, you know, cause that's, that's hooking them in. I just recently did a video. It's like 15 seconds. It has 1.2 million views on it. Because, and I knew exactly what I was doing. Everyone's like, oh my God, this is so crazy. I knew exactly what I was doing. My son, we bought him a, a, a brand new graphics card, very expensive one. And I said, all right, now that you've got this, go and learn how to mine crypto. Um, because a lot of my content actually is is about cryptocurrency. And because that's the, the world I've been in for a really long time. Um, there's a whole story about that on a, a pinned TikTok, if, if anybody wants to watch that. But you have to look at it in the sense of how is this going to benefit somebody, but not promise them 10xing money and doing all of these crazy things, but also get them talking about it. So this video was literally like 15 seconds of me saying, hey, you want to see how my son's making money online? I didn't say how much. I didn't say that he was, you know, going to pay off his college edu education with mining Neo. It was just a, a little hook to get people in. And again, market research and everybody's just all in the comments, like talking about electricity and talk, you know, it gets people talking, whether it's controversial or not. So I know that was a, a huge answer. No, but I mean, I, I'm still thinking about you explaining the, the shirtless you know, lumberjacks to your son <laughs> on like that value proposition. Like, like, son, this is what I've decided to pivot my, my business to. Uh, I'm now advising, uh, you know, I don't even know, lumberjack <laughs> boxer companies, uh, which in like the weirdest tease of all time, uh, we just uh, Manscaped, uh, the product <laughs> Manscaped, which is one that I actually use, will be a sponsor of our podcast. Like yeah, they they just, we just signed a deal with them to sponsor the podcast uh, starting next week. So um, never know, shirtless lumberjacks, we might right. be able to tie some NFTs right. there. Um, get some promotional, you know, funding off of that. Yeah. I think I might. Yeah, you might. might. It might be there. There is actually a video, Brian, where I'm like laughing I have my son's name is Broden, um, who's not on social media, by the way. It's hilarious because he's just like rolls his eyes, especially when we all talk about metaverse. He's like, oh, my God, those old people are so <laughs> ridiculous. We've been in the metaverse for years, you know, like whatever. But he I, I have a video where I'm showing him and I'm laughing at like all the comments like this old lady needs <laughs> needs some water or I don't even know. It was hysterical. And he just rolls his eyes. He thinks it's hilarious. So. I love that. And, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, that there is like a, a trick and a way to do it. Right. And I will say like, yeah. like I tweeted it today. I, you know, I minted two of uh, Steve Ioki's um, NFT projects and I tweeted it and within, I don't know, 30 seconds, Steve Ioki retweeted it. Right. And I, and I shared mm -hmm. it in our circle and I was like, I was like, 
I know what I'm doing, right? Like, and it, you know, it's funny because like, for me, it's not like, it's not the growth hack. It's, Hey, I know how to compose a tweet that would be something that if I was in Steve Aoki's shoes, I would retweet if it was positioned right. rather than like the, Hey, look at me retweet or, Hey, how do I get on your podcast or, you know, whatever that may be. And I, and I, I love that you kind of broke down like kind of the, some of those nuances in that like TikTok creation, because the other part about this that I think ties into so much of this is, you know, as NFT owners, right? And I think we have to use the word owner more and more, right? That we all, yeah. we are shifting the ownership from a platform or even a brand to all of us that are, you know, the consumers. We are now the owners in this project. Part of our role as owners is to talk about market, sell, whatever you want to, you know, it's, you know, the reason these PFPs are, are, you know, I think I have like nine PFP changes a day, it seems like, because I'm, you know, sharing and talking about. You really do. I know. It's it's, it's, like, right. And right now I don't even have one that's an actual NFT. I just have the artwork (laughs) of the women tribe uh, NFT collection. Right. So, but, but the reason I think it's so important is that if you believe in, you know, if you find your NFT, your forever NFT, and I, when I say forever NFT, it could be the NFT within a community you already love or that forever NFT community that you love. Like part of that role as an owner is, you know, telling the story, creating content around it. You know, not it's not to technically drive up the price, but part of it is celebrating the, the community that you're a part of, the values that, that matter to you. And I believe like as creators in all realms, we're going to have to get better at some of these nuances of like, how do I tweet where I'm not bragging, but I'm celebrating the things that I'm doing, right? How do I create a TikTok that hooks people in, but doesn't give financial advice or false hope or mislead or any of the number of things that right now bro TikTok is doing. And I know like I've, I've got two messages in the last 48 hours from two, you know, very large TikTok accounts that are not fans of mine that apparently through a podcast, <laughs> they're like, you didn't call me out, but like the way oh, that God. you explained, you know, and like for me, my reply is like, if, if by how I explained it, you thought I was talking about you, then you have the problem. Like you need to take you like, you need to own that yourself because you know, like that's, you know, it's one of those things, but you know, the other piece of this in this like world of, of where we're at is that, you know, you are a strong leader in, not only women empowerment, but really, you know, you know, really resetting the table. And then if the table isn't allowing you to pull up a chair, you make your own damn table and you do that so freaking well. And I, and I love the way you do that. And I love the, like the ownership you take on that. Give us a little bit of that because I will say, you know, we had, um, M who's, uh, NFTs girl here on, on Twitter. Yeah. She, I mean, I, I've made this claim a lot. I feel like maybe she's going to get mad because I talk about her now way too much. But <laughs> I like if she's involved with a project, I'm I'm going like it. She mitigates my need to do research, right? Like there's there are a couple people that if like if they involve themselves in the project, my trust in them is so great that I don't really have to do any other research. I'm going to like I'm aping in the women's tribe, women tribe beforehand. Right now, I've got to know um, Izzy and the and the team, and and it's and and I'm all for it, but. I, talk a little bit about like that journey for you, because I think from the outside and from even from those that are listening to you here, you know, your confidence, your your comfort in your own skin, your belief in yourself is is I mean, it it like resonates through the, you know, the earphones, the earbuds of everybody <laughs> listening. But I know that's not always been the case. And I also no. know 
part of like your ability to do that is that you see and understand like what your role is in kind of this, you know, uh, women empowerment and this, you know, getting your voices heard. Give us a little bit of that. Well, you asked such good questions. Um, I think part of this I have to say is being proud Gen X. I have, I've said this sort of over and over that we as Gen Xers, which is a small generation in between, you know, elder millennials and boomers, and I'm right there in the middle, um, that we had this amazing uh, sort of counterbalance because we grew up with like nothing, right? Like kicking rocks down the street with like plastic phones on the wall that hopefully had enough cord to, you know, go around the corner to watch the TV during the, you know, make sure the commercials were over. Gen Z, Gen Z can Google phones on wall. You guys can figure (laughs) that out. Drew, just Google that, figure out why we had phones on walls. Go ahead. Right. And and like there was no answering machines. And I don't say this because it was like, you know, Oh my God, I was, had to walk up, you know, two Hills barefoot in the snow like that. It, I'm not that old, but it went so quickly. And during our formative years, and for me, like junior high and high school, that's when, you know, personal computers were were getting installed in the high school and we were taking typing, you know, like keyboard class, I think that's what they called it. And so during those years, um, I really found what I had been looking for. Um, and, it, you know, this isn't just for like women empowerment. This is for me talking about how I've, I've been able to get to this point that everyone sees right now, which is this, you know, I love how I am in the world. Um, because I was able to, at an early age, recognize that I was special and that it was okay that I grew up in a extremely traumatic, abusive situation. And when I found technology and computers and the elegance of the code. When I was like 16, they wheeled in this computer into my after school job. And um, like I said, during those formative years was when I got to really appreciate what technology was doing for us in our, for humanity and for society. Um, And I was hooked and it was like this, you know, the solitude that I had been looking for um, that, you know, this computer, this beautiful (laughs) Windows 3.1 you know, did what I, I asked it to do. It didn't yell at me. It didn't hit me. Um, it wasn't disappointed in me. And so I got to college and was like, give me every computer class you can, you know, give me. It was like 1995. And we all were like, you know, in the computer lab, just having a great time. And I just found my way. And, and I'm so grateful for that even now, um, because I allowed myself to find what it was I was looking for. And it was very difficult for a long time because I, I was so late in finding who I was. I wasn't allowed to essentially leave the house as a kid. And so um, it was like all at once, you know, got to like mature and, and find who I was. Um, and so I think when we grow up without it and we, we recognize and appreciate it so much more as we get older, but yeah, I mean, I, it's, it has to do with with age and the fact that I've just had a lot more life to live. And because I have such gratitude for what I've been given, um, if tomorrow, you know, TikTok went away and all my followers and all of that went away, I can literally tell you, I can honestly, like, hand to God, say it wouldn't matter. You know, it wouldn't matter because I am who I am without that. Um, It's just a, a wonderful way to get a story across. So, it definitely wasn't always like that. I have um, lived successfully my entire adult life with PTSD, bipolar type one, 
um, like manic, um, panic disorder and adjustment disorder, uh, like all the disorders, right? I tell the joke that if I get one more, I'll have Yahtzee, but I can't, I don't think that joke goes over very well because all of your Gen Zers in the audience are like, what's Yahtzee? (laughs) Well, here, and I have a, I have a little nostalgia for you. Okay. That's a little Windows 95 love, you know, I have to. I honestly couldn't hear it. Could any of you hear that? Oh, you couldn't hear it? Oh, I'm going to have to try it again. Try it again. Oh. drink of water and i almost spit it out <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's like a little aol dialogue and and brooke i you know i think you know, you said that you know the proud gen xer and i, and I always yeah. was confused what confused why the gen xers and like and, and for those that don't know like i spent most of my early speaking career being the token millennial speaker i was the pager wearing millennial which just oh i still am a pager wearing millennial but it just means i was born in 1981 I relate more with Gen Xers born in 1972 than I do with millennials born in you know 1992 for the most part. But the I always was confused where Gen Xers would I would be, I'd be talking about the millennial generation and you know some people would be joking or a lot of people would be joking and then others were like trying to avoid that they were millennials and I just owned it. But I was always like, why did Gen Xers keep calling themselves like the forgotten generation and like the the overlooked generation? And I was like. I was like, y'all could really just own this. Like, you know, like, like, no, I mean, I don't know about anyone here in the audience. And and I like to ask this on stages. Like if anyone here in the audience actually picked what generation you were born into, you could raise your hand and come up and talk. But I don't believe any of us picked, you know, what generation we were born into. Right. So I think there's like, there, there's something beautiful about like owning that, owning the things that, that we had at our disposal. Right. There, there are plenty of days where I'm like, man, if I was in high school and college with TikTok there is no doubt my career would be around being a creator. Like I, like I was the guy that was like the hockey guy that could be fun and silly with the guys that were just, you know, too macho to admit it. I was the fraternity guy that wasn't afraid to admit he was a, a thespian and had ADHD and, and was a computer science guy. Right. And I was like the fraternity kid that was like, Hey, I play hockey and I, I like, you know, fishing in the dark, uh, listen to country music. Right. Like, you know, like I, and like for me, like that's like part of like, this like creative, beautiful world we live in, but it's also like owning like all of the things that kind of make us up who we are. And, you know, as a dad of three little girls, you know, for me, the more that I not only, you know, get it, you know, I would say dialed in, the more I'm open my world to all of the amazing possibilities that are out there and think about it from you know what my, my daughters are walking into, the more I'm excited about what's possible. Right. And I think it's, it's easy for us to, you know, yes, there's, you know, there's bad in the world and there's always been bad in the world. And, you know, FYI before Gen Xers and baby boomers, like all of the me too movement, it didn't happen in these last couple of years. We just finally got had enough of it. And there's a megaphone for people to get their voice being heard. It's been happening for far too many years and generations back. And I think there is something beautiful now about the conversations that are being had amongst Gen Z and the conver- you know, the, the fact that you and I can talk about our, you know, the, the mental health struggles that we both um, have and own, like that wasn't something that existed four years ago yet. Our, right. our kids are going to walk in and being like, Oh, you just own the things that make you as a human. Cause we're all perfectly imperfect and have all have our own, you know, individually beautiful brains. And so I love that you own that. I love, you know, like that piece of, of this story for you. 
And I'm curious, you know, like when you look at, you said you mentioned, you know, crypto being a big um, influence, you know, you're talking about blockchain a lot. You know, we both like, I love the blockchain conversation weirdly way more than I love the NFT conversation or same. Yeah. It's like, it's like one of those things is like, man, you realize what the blockchain is like, (laughs) like that's if we could just, you know, but, but we know that we need the, the use cases and the, and the things going on here. But I'm curious for you, like, when you look at like web three and and like, you know, we're in our forties and we're, we're looking at like, okay, the world that we're able to reimagine, what about like this world excites you the most going forward now on what we can reimagine? Oh my God. We need like two more hours, but I will, I will try to be succinct. And I think the perspective is so different. Like that's kind of sometimes why I bring up my age a lot is because Things have been, you know, things have gone so quickly. And, you know, the the generational gap between even like you and, and your girls and then me and my son is so it's so vastly different and not because, um, you know, we're so much older than them, but it's because so much has happened so quickly. But it's a paradigm shift. This is a complete mindset shift. I, I you know, I'm one of the most technical people you'll ever meet. However, the way that I normally look at things day to day is this kind of ethereal, you know, like it, it's all just like in in the ether of space, like it, it's all coming down in code kind of stuff. It's not necessarily, um, you know, the the hardware. It's It's how it's consensus. It's what we all can imagine can happen. And all of us together and not some you know, we used to decentralize and centralized all the time, but that's just how I've always felt is we as a collective should be able to make the world a better place. And that for me is what blockchain is, It is a way, you know, when um, people forget, they don't talk about this enough that like the crazy shit that happened in 2008, that I think maybe that's another reason why we at this age look at crypto a little bit differently because we were there in 2008. I have family that lost entire 401ks. I remember that housing crisis like it was yesterday and it was awful. And being in technology, we, you know, we knew about this idea of digital cash and and like, you know, all of these different ways, you know, this is a solution to a problem. We as human beings are here to create solutions to problems. That is how we operate as human beings. And when blockchain and Bitcoin and all of that sort of came about, I don't think anything's ever invented. It's discovered and it's just, it's, you know, it comes about. And it was a, it was one of the solutions that, you know, to the problem of the financial collapse and people, you know, needed something to jar them out of that. So when we talk about like web one, web two, web three, that you and I have both been through all of those. For me, it's not like this, you know, light switch that's flipped on and like, okay, now we're in web three. Like it's, it's this movement that we are all a part of. And I think now it's, it's a way for the non-techie, you know, using air quotes, um, to be a part of this because it's been such a separation for so long. I know because I've been trying to teach people this for so long, especially women. Um, we could go into all of that. Like it's right. been a long time that well, I've been trying to teach women about technology. Well, I think that's part of this too, right? I think part of it is the intersection that, you know, like I, yes. you know, is that, is that, is that intersection, that harmony, between technology and humanity, right? And humanity had to get to a tipping point as yeah. well as technology getting to a tipping point. 
that allows this beautiful, you know, magic and, and, you know, you know, this really this, you know, sinking up of, of, of values and goals and missions to really accomplish the things that we, you know, both have believed in for far too long, right? Like part of the, like part of the frustration could be like, I've been telling you that, you know, all, you know, like banking is going away or I've been telling you like, you know, we've been saying this for years, but it's like, okay, well, how do we bring this forward? The other part that I wanted to bring up is that we both, and I think you are more of the artistic creative than I am, but we both, like, I remember I, I, I was actually someone else that like we were in, I was in a different clubhouse room. You weren't in that room. And someone brought me, it's like, Brian, I'm so confused that you and Brooke both being the most tech savvy people here are talking about mindset shift and removing the starving from the starving artist. And there is something to be said about that, right? Because there, there would be an assumption that the technology and the, the, the elements beyond, you know, what the NFT or what the crypto might be enabling would be where we would spend our our time. But really I, I think of this as it's, you know, I, I'm so, passionate about the idea of removing that, you know, starving from the starving artists and how to, what role do we as technologists play? Because let's face it, part of this is like not only trying to, you you know, educating women, but it's like, I want people that, that have talents that believe in their own ability to be able to live and flourish and share those talents with the world. And let's face it, technology has been like you know, a roadblock in some cases, it's been a bandaid in other cases, but finally we're, we're moving towards this, like removing of some of these barriers. And, and I love the way you kind yes. of set that up. Cause like we both are aligned on that, right? Like, so if everybody is like listening to this, like you probably are getting two people that are as easily will geek out about the nuances of blockchain and the layer one versus layer two. And we can get into as geeky as you would ever imagine but yet the thing that excites us, the thing we, that we're pointing towards is the mindset shift and mm. this like beautiful harmony that we have moving forward. And so glad you brought that into this conversation. Well, Brian, it's like it, it, I have this like huge grin on my face. I just love you so much. Just by the way, um, we have always right been back. such kindred spirit. Um, I just I can't wait to meet you in person and just give you the biggest hug. But I think what's so important is to remember that. We as technologists have always been the builders. We've built the foundation for everyone else and been the ones sort of like I remember during the Y2K bug, right? We were the fixers. And, you know, as silly as it is, I always joke about it like, come on, you guys, like the airplanes weren't going to fall from the sky. Wait, wait, when the clock turns midnight, I thought they're all going to fall from the sky. No, it meant that we didn't have enough money for, you know, enough space on hard drives to have four digits instead of two. So we've See, like this is where we can get geeky. That that's beautiful, <laughs> right there. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Is like we could have these conversations, and then everyone would leave the space, and it would just be me and you, you know, talking. But th- I think that's part of why we're successful at what we're doing is because we can put this into a, a different frame. And so to say, like, to take the starving out of the starving artist, I always thought to myself, you know, why was I lucky enough to choose a profession that allowed me to always be able to take care of myself? to always, to never have to have a safety net, you know, technology and being in tech is, you know, it's a, it's a part of the supply and demand. There's not enough of us, especially women in tech. And so I could position myself in such a way that 
I could ask for more money or I could, you know, go for that promotion. And, um, you know, and then when I quit and started my own business 12 years ago, I could position myself as the only woman owned and operated computer repair business in the Pacific Northwest. And people would come in and, you know, have their hard drives fixed and their screens fixed and all that because I never made it about the techie piece. I could go in the back and start tearing apart a computer and replace the screen and hand it back to them. I never one time thought to myself, I'm going to explain how this all works and how this, you know, this cable goes here because I it didn't matter. It was about how this person felt when I handed back their computer that had all of their kids' pictures on them or, you know, whatever the case may be. So in that same sense, that is what we like, you know, technologists like you and I are more interested in is is lifting everybody up into this space that um, we are right now that, oh, now you can make money, like now you can own your shit. And, you know, having musician friends and, you know, like Emily, for example, and, and my friend Cass, um, you know, they can their music can be in perpetuity, the ownership piece. And that is what we as technologists want for everyone is to keep creating this foundation and allow for people to have that ownership. It, it, we're, we're solving an ownership problem. And, and now we get to see everybody else benefit from it. Like we've wanted, like we've benefited from technology for so long and crypto and, and all of that, even, you know, the stuff that we've, you know, maybe missed out on in the last few years we're still benefiting from it because we learned from it. I know I've learned from everything over the last 25 years being in tech. So without question, obviously I'm very passionate about this. No. And I, and I love it. And I will say, you know, uh, Jennifer's up here as well. And, uh, you know, my, my middle daughter, you know, we were asking her for her birthday party because her sister's birthdays are in January and hers is in May. She's a Gemini like her dad. Uh, and she's also ADHD and dyslexia like her dad. So we have a, we're kindred souls. And we asked her, you know, for her, what she wanted for her birthday party. And she wants a STEM birthday party at, at 10 years old, right? Like turn, <laughs> turning 11. Um, and so, and it's because of amazing, you know, women leaders that my daughter can look at and say, hey, I'm like, it's cool to be the, the geek, the science, the scientist, like my oldest daughter, like when I tell, when she talks about with her friends, she's like, yeah, the things I love to talk about is like the 3d printer that we're using. And none of my friends are, you know, the, the friends that I would normally play soccer with, they're not caring about it. And I'm like, you're like a 12 year old confidence in discussing a 3d printer and, and, and like the science and the technology, like we are like the future is bright because mm. the, that of amazing leaders like yourself, Brooke and amazing, not only women as a whole, but also all of those that are recognizing that we need all voices of all walks of life to truly innovate, to truly make a difference in this world, to truly you know reach all of the people in the world. It's not about one person or one type or one sex or one religion. It's about like kind of removing you know so many of these barriers. And the fact you brought up, we are you know we're we're solving an ownership problem, and especially a digital ownership problem that really started in you know the late nineties and went through well you know the web crash and we were still throwing you know platforms and free data and all of these things at the problem without recognizing that it is a thousand percent an ownership you know shift. And so like for me like there's part of me that is like I can't wait till my daughter who's turning 11 who wants to have a STEM birthday mm. is in her forties and talking about what she's doing to change the world and what, you know, is what this is all empowering. So 
Brooke, as always, you know, we could geek out for hours upon hours. Um, this was a lot of fun. I mean, as multi-hyphenates, we can definitely go from tattoos to mental health to uh, <laughs> NFTs to shirtless lumberjacks. That's um, exactly the, right. So I'll, 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 I'll give you the mic to, you know, give us a little bit of closing remarks. I'll make sure all your links to your TikToks and uh, your Twitter uh, and everything else that you have going on will be in the show notes. But uh, yeah, I'll give you the, the final say here. Oh man. Um, well, first of all, I'm glad that, that we didn't actually do the the video recording. Cause I am like crying. Like I'm, it makes me so happy to hear that your daughter is, is just all up in that. <laughs> I think it's so important, um, to remember that when we are raising our children, right. Like, and, and I'm very much in, in women empowerment and, and getting girls into tech, but also I'm a proud boy mom and I'm raising a man and, and we need people like you and people like my son and, and all of the male allies that I have around me all the time, because I, I work in a male dominated field and I'm here for it. Cause I love men. I love what, what we can accomplish all together. Right. But I want everyone to understand, even if you don't have kids, if you're the cool aunt, or you're the cool uncle or the older brother, you you have to make sure that the, the girls know that it's okay if they want to be in, in STEM, if they want to be, um, you know, pulling apart computers, they want to do all that, that that's okay. It's, it's encouraged. And you can be an example of that, um, especially the women. And it's not too hard we can teach you <laughs> like, and it's never too late. If I can do it, you can do it. If I can overcome all of these different things and, and live successfully uh, with all of this stuff, then, then you can too. So I'm, I'm so grateful that you had me on and uh, just spreading love and NFTs to the world. I, I'm so glad that you came on and, you know, I do believe things kind of work out, you know, at the right timing and right place. Mm-hmm. And you were, we were going to, we were doing that. We were going to do this a couple of weeks back and then, uh, had a change in the schedule and things kind of aligned, you know, perfectly here for that. And, you know, I, I appreciate your, your honesty, your, your, your candor, your leadership. And also, you know, I think for those that are out here in this, you know, this digital world, you know, for those that aren't, you know, kind of didn't catch the nuances, you know, Brooke and I are, are super close friends that have never met in person, right? We've, mm-hmm. we've spent hours on, on clubhouse stages and have yet to meet, you know, IRL and, you know, the limitation of, of where you live or where you were born or where you're growing is no longer a limitation. And you can mm-hmm. truly, you know, connect with your people, find your people. And, you know, i you know, the thing I've been preaching a lot about NFTs is the, the serendipity that exists in this NFT space. Like I didn't see it until I, I found TikTok or until I found Clubhouse and Clubhouse mm-hmm. was the first platform that I was like, wow, I'm able to find my people and none of these people I've been following on any other damn social media network. And I'm active everywhere on every channel and I still didn't find my people yet this serendipity of kind of bringing us together in the social audio app, you know, of course brought us together as well as now, you know, connecting the dots here in the NFT space. So Brooke, thank you for clubhouse changed my life, Brian. I just have to say that like I'm obsessed with Twitter spaces right now, but clubhouse changed my life. I know it was, we were, for those that don't know, we were very close to, uh, 
uh, you know, kind of tapping into doing both of this on Clubhouse and on Twitter Spaces. <laughs> then I wanted to do it on video streaming while we were doing uh, Twitter Spaces. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy this interview so much. I don't want to like this is the the technologist in me. It was like Brooke will be cool. She'll do with anything I want to. And then I was like. <laughs> Wait, Brooke is cool. I don't want to be distracted by all this other crap. I want to just deliver this. So, uh, thank you so much for Brooke for tuning in. For all those that are listening here on the podcast, you know, as always, we are super powered by the ADHD coin over at Rally. Just go to ADHDcoin.com. Get yourself some ADHD coin. Uh, it's about, you know, embracing your superpowers. It's not about having ADHD. It's about removing the biases that, you know, around things that we were told not to talk about when we grew up. We were told that, you know, those are the things that, you know, people that turn into arguments and really it's, it's the things that make us all individually special, all individually uh, unique. And I, I still, I still believe I have goosebumps from the beginning of this, uh, of this episode and Same. just hearing Brooke too, your, you know, conviction to saying, you know, like uh, you love the life that you live. And I will just, I'm going to take that as a challenge myself. And I hope everyone else that is listening here, we all need to make the strides, the steps we need to take the actions and even embrace the curiosity that is in front of us so that we can all truly, you know, love the life that we are living until tomorrow. My friends, make it a good one. Cheers. This show is not financial advice. So do your own damn research.